0: And a good Monday afternoon to you. Welcome on into lunch with Claves and Joe here on clavesonline.com our Facebook and Twitter pages along with YouTube, none of which have been taken down as uh, we welcome you into this week. I'm Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne. What's going on, Claves? Everything.
1: Everything. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, football for sure, some hockey, you name it. As you know, I'm not happy. Well, I'm not happy. I'm just con- confused by a Hall of Fame selection. So we got a lot yeah. of things. So let's get this baby rolling. I was gonna say, I
0: saw you complaining about it on uh, on Twitter last night. No, and, and, uh, we'll get into we'll get into it. I'll I'll I'll, <laughs> give you, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you the platform. I'll give you your soapbox. You Thank can you. stand on it and you could uh, right. rant away on it. As we are brought to you as you see by Amherst, Illinois, Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert dot com, and Munganass Alton Toyota, Munganass St. Louis Acura. A uh, a place I, I talked about it. We talked about it again on Weekend Joe. Uh, Andy Hanselman, my co-host uh, for Weekend Joe, just got a new 2020 Toyota Highlander from the uh, from the folks there. I believe he said it's a platinum edition, and uh, he he went in there for one car, and they uh, they they, uh, they told him that hey, you know what, we're looking to get rid of these 2020s. They made him a uh, a great deal on that car. What's up with Maya? What's she barking at?
1: uh who knows? <laughs> who
0: knows I got one here next to me that can't bark anymore so i'm uh I'm lucky there if she starts howling, there's there's definitely something going on with uh with her but yeah big weekend uh football six games uh the super wild card weekend before we get into that, the games the x's and o's and everything- w- what did you think of having six playoff games on one weekend first time ever
1: um I think it was too much. I mean, unless you had a particular favor, unless you were betting games, if you were just a casual fan, uh, I didn't find any of the games overly exciting. I mean, I thought the first game with Buffalo was, was a fun, entertaining game. Uh, Chicago, New Orleans was a snoozer. Uh, the way Pittsburgh got creamed early, you know, you turned that off. Uh, and the other games were, you know, they were playoff games. So I, I don't know, you know. It was almost like a regular Sunday, I guess, with regard to three games. But uh, I was I was hoping for more after the first game. But you know what? Um, they're moving on, and we'll see if they can do do themselves better. Yeah, and I mean, this is what happens when you don't have a chance to have your traditional work throughs and your practices, and you know, you don't even have your head coach on the sideline for one game. So a lot of things had to change for sure
0: when When you have games like that, if you are just a casual NFL viewer, if you have just games, you know, if you're just excited that playoff football is here, which for most years, I mean, by the way, tomorrow is the five year anniversary of the Rams voting or the NFL voting for the Rams to leave St. Louis. Uh, seems so much longer than five years ago since that happened down in Houston. But when you when you just have the games laid out as I did on Saturday and on Sunday, I kind of went about my day knowing that that was on in the background, knowing that it was either yeah. on the TV at home. If I was out running errands, I, I listened to the games on the radio. And from noon till ten, both Saturday and Sunday, I had football in my life, but I still went about my day as normal, and I, I enjoyed that. I, I liked having that both days. And as you said, I am I am the uh, I am the new biggest fan of the Buffalo Bills. I'm on that bandwagon as uh I, I plan to be for, for here on out and it was nice to start the weekend with a uh, with my Buffalo Bills getting the victory over the
1: Colts. Mr. Frontrunner here. Okay, that's cool.
0: It, it, uh, you know what? I, I I've been on with them all year. I looked at Josh Allen and I said this the way, is what's your quarterback record, of the future. What's what? your record? Yeah. Oh I You're went really? four and two this weekend. So I'm wow. in first place. Yeah, four and two in the playoffs. Four and two for the weekend. Uh, in the playoffs, uh, yeah, restarted the, uh, oh, the comments on that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh,
1: okay. I yeah. see. How uh-huh. I guess for you being commissioner, you can make it up as you go. Okay.
0: You went four and two as well. Both you and I went four and two on the uh, on the weekend. Uh, Andy Hansman, Frank Cusimano, and Brian Hoffman, they all went three and three. I was the only one of the five of us that picked the Rams. I was the only one of the five of us that picked the Browns.
1: So I picked up a game on uh, Hoffman. You
0: did, yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, you were two back on him, and now you're uh, now you're just one back right. of him on that. So I, I should have gone five and one. For some reason, I went with the Bears. I, I thought maybe oh. there was a chance that they what could pull something off. I don't I you know what? If this is what happens when I'm down by as much as I am. I gotta go against the grain on some of these. So that's okay. what I did in that. And I thought maybe they pull something off, maybe they get a defensive touchdown. And I tell you what if Wims doesn't drop that touchdown pass,
1: oh, that, man, that, that entire
0: good. game, just the yeah. entire comp, uh, the, the complex of that game just changes so much. The ball goes, I, that that wasn't a drop. I don't know what you call that because that ball was put right there on him and it didn't even hit him in the hands. That thing went straight through his arms. That's one of the worst drops that you'll, uh, you'll ever see.
1: I agree with you. Uh, de- definitely a game changer for sure. But um, we'll start with that game. Bears need to blow the whole thing up, get a new coach, get a new quarterback, get a new player personnel guy. Uh, that that team just doesn't do anything for me. Do you go new quarterback? Though? Yeah. Mitch, Mitch Trevindy, he,
0: guy, start, guy, man. he started off the season guy. with a few wins. They, they got a few yeah. wins at the beginning of the year. The last, what, four or five games of the season, they were averaging 30 points a game with him
1: back at quarterback. They just showed that they could put up points. Just a guy. You can have him. You, you can you can have them. I think the Bears need a culture change.
0: I I I agree on the on the head coach and the GM, and usually a quarterback change comes with that. But but I think when you when you look at what you have there, and you look at building other pieces around that, I think maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to just stay how many built. more
1: years are you going to build around this guy? You're not getting
0: one of the top three picks out there. One of the top three quarterbacks out there this year, right? There's three. Very good quarterbacks coming out. Maybe of college there's or a free not. agent out there, and that's there but be. there's going to be a lot of revolving door. I, you you think yesterday might have been the last? This weekend might have been the last time we see Philip Rivers. It might be the last time that we see B, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. This might be the final time that we ever see Drew Brees play. We're not sure what Tom Brady's future is in the NFL. He's 43 years old. So when you look at all of the quarterback jobs that are going to be open around the NFL. How confident are you that you're going to land one of those top three agents out there or get one of those young quarterbacks that maybe deserves a job, like a Brandon Allen, the, who who played do well. With, do they, though? Do they? The Bears? I don't know. They have to re-sign Allen Robinson. Khalil Mack is making how much money? And then you have to build pieces around that.
1: You keep your Bears in. If you feel like they're going to move in the right direction – Go right ahead. I don't,
0: I, that's the thing. I don't know if they will or not. I, it's hard to say what direction they're going to move in. But I think Trubisky, I feel like he might have earned another year. I
1: don't think Nagy has. No. Ryan Pace definitely hasn't. Yeah. So did maybe you, coaching change more than the quarterback change. Did you uh, Did you
0: watch any of the Nickelodeon broadcasts for that game?
1: No, I'd rather watch uh, the Boomerang Channel. It, <laughs> i'll tell you this
0: i'll tell you i i don't know if you saw the uh i don't know if you saw the the tweet from kurt warner who uh his yeah. son sat and watched the entire game he says it's the first time his son ever sat and watched an entire uh an entire nfl game and i i had the feed on because i i thought you know what as you're watching six games during the week I'll let one of those feeds be something silly. I'll see what they do during this game and how they how they bring it down to a child's level to understanding what it was. And I thought they did a decent job and I thought it was entertaining for the most part. I, watch, I didn't watch a set. I did not hear Jim Nance or Tony Romo speak one word on Sunday because I watched the entire game on Nickelodeon. And I feel like if they partner... With other sports to do that, I feel like that's a good way of growing all games: NBA, baseball, hockey. If you put it at that level and you get kids to watch it, and you have some of their characters involved to show how the game is played or explain some of the rules, I think that's. I don't think that's a bad idea. And also, I think what one thing it did was it showcased how talented guys like Nate Burleson and Noah Eagle are. Because those guys, those are two trained professional broadcasters when it comes to going over the NFL. And they had to bring it down to a level that they're probably not used to. And they put on a really good broadcast.
1: I'm going to say one thing, and I may be dating myself. I'm going to go back to a commercial that used to be on TV. Silly Rabbit, tricks are for kids. Right. And? And it's for the kids. That's cool. That's cool. If that's what it takes, I don't think it's a bad idea. It's just not one I'm interested in seeing. Um, But you know what? I I get it. And, you know, as we talk about this, that's something baseball should be taking a long look at, considering how old their fan base is, how you can get kids involved. And I'm sure that somebody's going to pick up on this and try and take it to the next level. Yeah, and unfortunately,
0: kids were subjected to watching that terrible Bears offense. If that was the first NFL game that they got to see, because yesterday was not the uh, you know after that drop pass, it does it did seem like the entire team just the the air was left out of the balloon after that happened, and they struggled to score until late in the uh, in the fourth quarter. But that wasn't you. You want to look and jump around to some of the other games, Mike Vrabel, Mike Tomlin the two decisions that they made on Sunday to punt late in the game when they did, I, if I, I, I probably should later this afternoon tune in to Nashville Sports Talk Radio or Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio because I imagine those are going to
1: be two of the hot topics going on
0: in those cities.
1: Well, when you lose, it's a hot topic. And, and I think that's what you have to take into account. Uh, I wonder how many times did they go for it or did they do something that wouldn't be the norm that they were successful with? Uh, I think that those things happen. It's part of the game. It's part of coaching. Sometimes you're not going to get it right. And is it, is it a bad call or was it bad execution?
0: I, I think, I mean, Vrabels where they were on the field to punt in that situation, what was it? Seven, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're on the Ravens 40 yard line. To punt there was, was giving up.
1: Uh, to I not, you know what? I'm going I'm to stop you there. I don't think it's giving up. I think it was his lack of confidence in his offense. So, therefore, he thought his defense was going to try and steal it back, get them in better field position. Uh, and, and I think that's what it came down to more than anything else because neither offense. And I was talking to Frank Cusamano this morning, and he talked about. You know, Roethlisberger threw for 500 yards. He threw it 68 times. So 47 completions, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, that just told you there was a lack of real offense. And Derrick Henry, once they started to put eight in the box and in some cases nine and they stopped him, uh, Tennessee didn't have another answer. You know, one of their top receivers was hurt, so they really took that away, they took the outside game away from him. So I thought it was more the fact that both coaches were relying on their defense and their defense couldn't make the stop when they needed to.
0: And the other one with Pittsburgh, as the third quarter comes to an end, you have that entire TV timeout as you're switching uh, sides of the field from the third to the fourth quarter. It was fourth and two. You had all
1: the momentum in the world right now in the game, and you gave it up. Yeah, again, I think a lack of confidence in the offense. I don't think they had a three yard play. And I think we just touched on the fact of how many times they threw it. Uh, so, you know, the, both teams will, will, will look at it and realize that they, they have some shortcomings and uh, work on trying to be better next year. I, I don't know how many whole teams there are out there. You know, I think Buffalo would be whole. Kansas City would be whole. Uh, Green Bay perhaps would be whole. Um, But, you know, there aren't a lot of whole teams out there. They're they're all lacking in something. And we've talked about this from the beginning of the year. No matter how much you throw the ball, you have to find a way to run the ball also. And the team who got beat yesterday didn't have a running game. I really thought that the
0: Titans were were one of the scariest teams that played in that first weekend and thought that they could have made a nice run. I, I felt if they would have won yesterday, they would have easily won the following week with that momentum and went into the AFC championship game, but didn't happen. Uh, But one team that that definitely was not whole yesterday were the Browns, and they came out up 28-0 at the end of the first quarter, as you mentioned, without their head coach and without a, a couple of players as well. In fact, one of the starting offensive linemen, Baker Mayfield, met for the first time before the game. Didn't even know who the guy was. The guy showed up and introduced himself to Baker Mayfield and
1: said, I'll be blocking for you today. (laughs) And it was a But that tells you something about the game where a guy can walk in off the street and start and be successful compared to guys who go through mini camps and OTAs and extra work, and they do all that stuff. So you have to wonder how much coaching and how much practice is truly needed.
0: Yeah, I mean if you get into a system like that, then I guess, you know, if all you're doing is knowing, hey, you just got to block for him for one day, for one game, figure it out. We'll uh you know, we'll we'll go from there. Do you think it was the right move by the end? I mean, I know during during the regular season, if a coach had tested positive, they weren't allowed on the sidelines, they weren't allowed to be part of it. Do you think the NFL should have made an exception in the no. playoffs to allow Stefanski no. to have some sort no. of communication? you
1: muted yourself again,
0: uh, with the, there you go. No,
1: you can't treat a playoff game differently than a regular season game. Hey, you just stay with the rules, um, that you, that you thought about. And you know what, maybe that's something they go back and revisit, uh, with technology as it is, but I think you also run into some other communication issues. Hey, there's enough guys running around with headsets on. Okay. So, um, I don't really have a problem with it. It's an unfortunate situation. It was unforeseen, obviously. And we're dealing with unforeseen issues in our society. So I didn't really have a, a major issue. And I'm not changing the rules just because one guy's positive and somebody else isn't. And which is game? Chance you take. Which game are you
0: looking forward to the most next uh, next weekend? You have Rams and Packers, Ravens and Bills on Saturday, then Browns and Chiefs, Bucks and Saints on Sunday.
1: All of them. I think they all ha- have a very unique uh, approach that I'm anxious to see, and now we're going to see who the real teams are. Um, I don't think there's a mismatch in this, this. I don't think there's a mismatch in this group compared to what we had this past weekend.
0: Tonight, it is the college football national championship game, Alabama and Ohio State down in Miami, Florida. There there was talk last week if this game was actually going to be played today, or if it was going to be moved to next Monday, January 18th. Apparently, all the teams uh, passed whatever protocols they needed to pass. The game is on. Have you seen enough of Ohio State to even make a prediction for this game tonight?
1: Yeah, I think they're a good athletic team. Uh, They do some things Uh, well. I just think Alabama's just got more ring time. Uh, And I think that's going to be a difference maker. They've got more ring time in big games. They've uh, got more ring time on the field this year. Uh, They're coming in with a couple of injuries now. They may get Waddle back. If they get him back, that's going to be even harder for Ohio State to try and defend both he and the Heisman Trophy winner. So, uh, overall, I think Alabama is a superior team. But we've seen teams with a puncher's chance get in this thing, and who knows what can happen. But I, I'm I'm comfortable with Alabama. That game's uh, tonight. Usually, I, I haven't looked yet, but I know ESPN
0: usually does a good job of having multiple streams for the uh, for these games, whether it be mm-hmm. a coach's room, uh, analytics, uh, the home of the home broadcast, the or the one school's broadcast, the other school's broadcast. Yeah, they, they'll do it all again. Yeah, and I, I like that. I like flipping around and watching a few of those different ones uh, throughout the night. That's uh, that's usually more entertaining than the game itself. Well, seeing you know, how many different
1: ways to watch it. The voice of the Crimson Tide it was one point. The voice of the St. Louis Blues. Did you know that, Eli? Gold. That.
0: I feel like I've known that. I feel like Frank has him on every year whenever Alabama. Yeah, on the he was, he's a
1: big auto racing guy too on the radio. But he was here for a year. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a nice job. Now that was a long, long time ago, but. Uh, that's his connection to St. Louis. And that's all I got on Eli. We're going to get into the uh, Blues in
0: just a second here, but first, I want to tell you about one of our other sponsors, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Hey, he has started a uh, he started a new program called the Eat Local Meals. He's trying to engage with communities and rally support for local restaurants to give them patronage uh, to help this movement. He's asking uh, he's asking us he's asking all of you to nominate a local restaurant so they can shine a light on them and find opportunities to give them business. Their goal is to help 1,000 local area restaurants, and they need your help to get there. Go to thehomeloanexpert.com and look for the Eat Local Meals link, and you can click on that and nominate your restaurant today. That is thehomeloanexpert.com, and click on the Eat Local Meals link, to nominate your restaurant today. It, it's very simple that you just put, all, all you have to do is just fill out your name and put the restaurant's website on there and you will help out a local restaurant in your uh, in your community. So check them out online at thehomeloanexpert.com.
1: Groovy. Yep.
0: Uh, I think we're gonna have more stuff on that up on the website here uh, here shortly as well. So blues this week, I know you and Alex Ferrario talked about it a little bit last week on the, uh, the Ferrario face-off. But the Blues uh, will drop the puck, hopefully on Wednesday against the avalanche. I, I know already one NHL team has had a bit of a setback. The Dallas Stars announced that they will not be starting the season the same time as everybody else due to COVID concerns.
1: Well, I mean, this is how we live. This is what you know, everyone feared, but everybody knew this could happen. Uh, the NBA's already canceled a couple of games, and two more um, today. Yeah, so, you know, it's something we're going to have to deal with. And, you know, you're going to be better. You might be better off being lucky than good at this point. Uh, And, you know, you've got some wiggle room as far as open dates where you can try and do this. It's not like it's a fan issue right now. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed and see if we can get people healthy and get as many games in as we can. Uh, As far as the Blues are concerned, I think the Blues are like the other teams in this league. They don't know what they have. All they've done is practice against each other. You know, exhibition games, not that you see a lot, but I don't know if this team knows what kind of shape they're in uh, or have they become too predictable to each other, which is might why some guys were more impressive than others. Uh, we don't know how good the goaltending is, especially after they've seen the same shots from the same guys for the last week or so. So I, I think when it comes to starting at square one, I think that's safe to say. Um, now, obviously, there are some teams who have more skilled players but these skilled players, we don't know how good they're going to be once the gun sounds because we don't know what kind of shape they're in. You know, what, what is their timing really like? But if there's one group of people who can really turn it on when they need to, it's hockey players. So I'm excited about what's going to happen. Uh, they're in a very unique division, as we talked about, but this is a unique season. Um, there's, there seems to be more depth on this hockey club. Um, and I think there's a little bit more of an edge to this team, too. And I'm gonna start with Kyle Clifford, who will make some guys more accountable. I thought one of the things that hurt the blues last year, uh, they didn't have anybody who could make the other guy accountable, and you know on the other team when it came to playing a body or taking liberties with your best players. So yeah. you got that situation remedy, and I think you have a little bit more offense on the third and perhaps fourth lines. Because they're going to have to do more than just check and and provide grit. They're going to have to score at some point, point. and if they're penalty, penalty killers, the same thing. You know, this game is going back to a scores league, and if you can score, then you've got a chance to be successful. So to rely on six guys, I don't think is going to get it done anymore.
0: It's going to it's and it's just, as you mentioned, it's the same for every team. It's going to take a few weeks into this season to figure out what those line combinations need to be, who is going to play well. And you see right now, they have Krug with Pareco right now in practice. You're assuming that's going to work out for them when the season starts, but we don't know. We, we don't know how, how long that's going to uh, last or if it's going to last the whole season or if they're going to have to switch something up at, at some point. Because right now they're just playing against each other. The intensity isn't there when you're playing against each other. We'll we'll see that intensity starting Wednesday night when they actually go and play another team. Uh, But you mentioned the NBA. And the NBA, so last year in the playoffs, you had the NHL. They were in their own bubble up in Canada. The NBA had their bubble down in Orlando. Both leagues decided this year that they were going to leave the bubble And they were going to go back and play on their home courts. They were going to travel. They were going to have road trips. They were going to do everything the way they'd gone back to doing. And you're seeing the NBA really, really struggling. I I think what is the Pelicans game? Is it the Pelicans and Mavericks tonight's been canceled? They've already canceled the Bulls and Celtics tomorrow. There have been another handful of games that that have been postponed or canceled already in this past week. So you're seeing the NBA is having a really difficult time outside of the bubble. I know that it would be really, really fast for the NBA or for the NHL to do the same thing. But how far into the NHL season do they go before they say, you know what, maybe we need to do this as well and just have everybody in one city?
1: Well, I don't think you can pull it off logistically at this point. Uh, I I think the other issue is I think you have to start the clock when you have your first positive and assume you're going to miss at least two games along the way which is why you have the open dates on the schedule where you can move things around. you got a little bit more flexibility than you would in baseball where you'd have a four-game series or a three-game series. Uh, in this situation, maybe if you miss a couple of games, you can stagger them over the open dates throughout the course of the season, and, and you might be able to pull this off. You may end up having a 48-game season. I, I, yeah. just, I think when you look at
0: the difference the, – the, I, I think when you look at the way the divisions are set up – It might be in their best interest to say, you know what, the the Central, they're going to they're gonna be playing all their games in Chicago. There's enough rinks up there, there's enough arenas with rinks up there, they're gonna play in Chicago. The one they're gonna play in New York, you
1: know, you have easier said than done, but here's the problem you're gonna have, Joe, logistically. Space, hotels who understand the protocols that are gonna be required. Now you have to think about they had multiple months to prepare for Canada and Florida to pump the brakes now and clear out a whole hotel and say that's going to be your base without that, that staff being trained, without making arrangements as far as food deliveries and things of that nature. Because if you ask any player in the National Hockey League, the last thing they want to do is go back to a bubble. It Where didn't go think well. this. You would think didn't go as well. As they wanted it to from a player being happy standpoint. Now they got the games in, but they were miserable. And we saw teams that quit. Because they didn't want to be there, you don't want to do that again. So you might want to tough this out, because I don't think every the logistics would catch up to the need of what these players and these teams and this league is going to need between now and the end of the regular season.
0: I, I just I, I think you look at it, and yeah, you know what? They might not care, but guess what? You're getting paid right now. They weren't getting they weren't getting paid when they were in the playoffs, right? They weren't making their salaries when they were in the playoffs. You need to get as many of these games in right now if you want to make the money that you you signed on a contract for.
1: I think you have. I think you still have wiggle room with open dates. I'm not going to push that button yet. Uh, I, I just think that a and maybe they have a logistical plan on the board. Okay, I, I think the NHL has probably shown some smarts in a lot of areas. But you know what? To, to pause at, at the first sight of of issue. I don't think that that's the way to work. I think I'm going to try and work through this and maybe we learn along the way. Um, And, you know, you, you bolster your taxi squads as well, where, you know, if you get players out there, so be it. But I I think you just have to be better in understanding, okay, if I got two guys positive and I do the tracing, I'm going to have four more guys positive and therefore I'm going to have to move those guys. So I think the, the key here is, The tracing has to be monitored on an hourly basis, in my opinion, and I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're doing it, but I think that's the route to go compared to trying to bundle everybody up and find hotel and accommodations and everything else that comes with it uh, at at such a short time schedule. The uh, as we mentioned, the Blues' first game is going to be this
0: Wednesday against the Avalanche. Um, News came out today. A friend of yours, Mike Milbury, uh, was announced he will no longer be with the NBC broadcasts.
1: Anybody surprised by that? I wasn't. I I thought last year was probably all they could stand. You know, uh, and I like Mike. Okay, we had him on the podcast, and uh, I I consider myself having a good relationship with him. But there are things that he's done leading up and to, including. What he did last year that the network just probably said, you know what? Enough is enough. There's a lot of other guys out here that we can find that won't give us the headache at night or waiting for the late night phone call because of something he said or something he did somewhere. Uh, He's had a very good run. You got to remember this guy's an Ivy League grad, had a great playing career, was a general manager and a coach and an analyst. He's done everything. Uh, I wouldn't say he was successful at everything, but he's had an incredible run. And I'm sure if Mike Milberry doesn't work another day in hockey, I think that'd be okay with him. He's done a pretty good job financially. So uh, I wish him the best. 14 years
0: with the uh, with the NBC uh, NHL team. So 14 years with that. We will not be seeing him when the season starts this week. Uh, let's move on to baseball. We have, this is probably the longest we've ever gone into one of these shows without mentioning anything baseball with everything else that's going on. Uh, in all of the other sports right now, but we did see a big trade last week. As it's, uh, I believe Thursday afternoon, Francisco Lindor of the uh, of Cleveland's baseball team traded to the New York Mets along with Carlos Carrasco. In return, was it four prospects that the Mets yes. sent back to uh, yeah. sent back to Cleveland? If you are a Cardinal fan. And you look at what it took to get Francisco Lindor to New York. Are you upset today over what the Cardinals could have probably given up to get him?
1: Well, what were the Cardinals going to give up?
0: They were none of the top prospects. Not one of the Mets' yeah. top prospects were were given up. So if you could have gotten Francisco Lindor and not given up, Dylan. Well, I think Dylan Carlson. We can just say he's off the uh, off any trade talks now. But if you could have gotten him without giving up Matthew Libitor or Nolan Gorman,
1: would you have done it? I think the question is, what was the need of Cleveland? If you notice, they they took some middle infielders. That's the one thing the Cardinals don't have. Uh, Now, maybe you could change the dynamic of the deal. Um, I think there's also the hope that Lindor was going to sign with the Mets. And I think if – if you're the Mets, you feel good about being New York. you got the richest owner in the game. You can do this deal. If you're the Cardinals, you're saying, well, wait a minute. We don't want to get too carried away here and having to keep this guy. Uh, and I think that's been proven by the pushback on the Arenado situation. So I'm not disappointed. I'm disappointed he's not a Cardinal, yeah. But I think I need to know a little bit more of the parameters of the deal before I start saying, see, here we go again. I, I, I think that's just too easy of cop-out. Uh, I, I think I need to know what was actually involved and, and what did the Mets see in those prospects? Because as I mentioned, they're middle infield guys and guys that are maybe a year or two away. Cardinals don't have them. They do not have middle infielders who are ready to go or anywhere close. Now, you want to put Delvin Perez in a deal and, and and Connor Robertson? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, one has been a disappointment and the other one is still two years away from being a big leaguer. So. I I think that maybe they just didn't have the pieces for it. And when you talk about prospects, you take Gorman, Montero, and there's maybe one or two other guys in your organization that can swing the bat. Other than that, you've got some pitchers that we still don't know whether they can pitch or not, but that's what prospects are. They're, They're prospects or suspects. So there are a lot of things I think I'd have to weigh before I would feel like this was a deal that matched up with the Cardinals. There was a uh, media
0: member in New York after that trade was made that came out and was talking about trying to bolster all of the uh, the middle of the field defense and mentioned the Mets should go out and try to trade for Harrison Bader as uh and quickly I think found out that many Cardinal fans were were very uh were very okay with the prospect of giving away Harrison Bader to anybody any any rumblings of any moves that we could uh possibly see within the Cardinals organization this week now that we're we're closing in i mean we're 10 days 11 sure. days into January right now john mozalek said that january was the new december are we going to see anything happen
1: this week or or next well, I, don't know, I don't know about this week but i know we're going to see some activity you you can't go in a spring training with this current roster um you know, is it going to be a trade? Is it going to be a free agent? Who knows? But I, I'm sure there'll be some activity. Uh, this is not a winning roster as we know it right now. Uh, yeah. Man, yeah. You can win a division. I was going to say, what,
0: what roster in the NL Central is a winning roster right now? Yeah,
1: that's true. But you can win a division with this current roster. But I think we're talking about moving beyond the first round and and you're going to need some help. And so I, I think that there's still some some opportunities out there. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how creative they want to be.
0: Let's talk about the the NL Central rosters
1: right now because we saw the sure, Cubs. Not, trade sure there's nothing there. Right, the none Cubs. Of tra- teams, none of those teams are going to be competitive enough to win anything.
0: No, the, and the Cubs yeah. give away trade away. You Darvish to uh, to the Padres, so they they get rid of him. The Pirates weren't going to be anything to worry about anyway, but they get rid of Josh Bell. They, they trade him away. You look around and you, you try to figure out who has the star power, who has, Nobody. And, and, and I mean, the Brewers, what have Christian Yelich, the Cardinals have Paul Goldschmidt and Jack Flaherty. I'm trying to, the, the Reds have Joey Votto. And who knows what the health is of Rizzo and Bryant in Chicago and if and if Chris Bryant will be on the roster come opening day? Like a, I said, at this point.
1: no reason to talk about the rosters in the division because there's no star power. None. So uh, can you
0: get excited going into this season? Let's say it's a hundred and sixty-two game schedule. Can you get excited knowing that the Cardinals have to win 75-80 games and they could they could win the NL Central?
1: You're going you're gonna to win more than 80 games. Um, you will be competitive. And, and here's what I would say. You know, just because we don't have much to talk about in January doesn't mean we won't have some talk about in July. Uh, I think John Moselock's proven that on a number of occasions that he doesn't really overly concern himself about the start. He's got his barometers on what dates are important, kind of like with me and Flag Day. And at that point, they assess – they assess the market again. Maybe somebody's going to be available that they didn't think would be at some point during the year. So, to put all the eggs in the hope basket at this time of the year, I don't think does anyone any good because there's a lot of things that have to happen well before the moment of truth arrives for this ball club.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, as I sit here, I, I think of the idea that it's a playoff team, the way that they're built right now. I, I try to get myself excited about it, but. In, I think in normal years where you look at a Cardinal team and think, hey, all they have to do is make the playoffs and go from there. I think with what the Dodgers have done and what the uh, Padres have built, there, there's just there's no way. By the way, speaking of the uh, the Dodgers, I, I, I apologize for not bringing this up sooner. But Tommy Lasorda passes away at the age of 93. Give me a give me a good Tommy Lasorda story. I, I, I'm going to without even asking you before we went on the air. I, I know that you crossed paths with Tommy Lasorda at some point during your career.
1: One of the greatest ambassadors, the two greatest ambassadors for baseball that I've been around, Buck O'Neill and Tommy Lasorda. Uh, you couldn't ask for two better people to promote the game and talk the game. Uh, he had a number of stories. Uh, I was on a radio show recently, and I, I remember Tommy Lasorda for pitching to Jack Clark. Enough said. Uh, but he was a delightful person, uh, and I ran into him. This was two years ago because we didn't go out there last year, and his health was starting to fail. And he was asking about certain things in St. Louis because that was one of his favorite spots. But here's a story that you know I don't I haven't told you this one, but you know he was kind of, he was a scout at one point for the Dodgers. And there was this kid that he really liked in Pennsylvania, really good player. He was all everything. And he went to his house. His mother made him some pasta. And he loved his mother, sat out on the front porch, and he wanted to try and sign this kid. And the guy was like, you know, I really want to play baseball, but I promised my mother I'd go to college. That was Joe Namath. (laughs) So uh, he didn't get him, but he got a lot of other good players along the way. And uh, the game will miss him because you know what we don't have guys who have that that zeal about the game like he did. He was a good manager. He managed some really good ball clubs. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, the fact he pitched to Jack Clark. Yeah, there was a lot of other guys he pitched to, and he beat them. Uh, but he was a, a a person that the game needs more of, uh, and who that where that next generation comes from, I don't know. But uh, it, it was uh, it was sad to see him go.
0: The uh, 93 years old. The last baseball game that he got to to see was the Dodgers winning the World Series this past October. So that's uh, that's one way to go out. I agree.
1: Hey, while we're on the subject of baseball here, yeah, you uh, know the, the winter warm up is this weekend. Yeah, it is. And uh, there's a lot of virtual virtual programming that we're going to have on. That I would suggest. I want to make an adjustment here. Give me one second.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that I saw that. Uh, I saw that Polo was going to be uh, part of that. Yeah. I, I meant to. Uh, I, I was texting him about that. I asked him how much for a virtual autograph, and uh, he he uh, responded to me in language that I think uh, Tommy Lasorda probably would have appreciated. So, well,
1: they they've got a lot of things. <laughs> Tickets are on sale uh, for the virtual experiences, and you can line up. We're going to have the reunion of the 2011 championship team. That includes Alan Craig and David Fries and Lance Berkman, Jason Mott. Q&A with Gold Glovers, Tyler O'Neal and, and Paul Goldschmidt, Ozzy Smith, and Jim Edmonds will be part of it. Paul DeYoung is going to put on a cooking demonstration. And we'll have the Cardinals connection. It's a newlywed style game with your favorite Cardinals and their spouses, including the Goldschmidt's, the Carpenters, the Edmonds and the Gombers uh the best dressed birds wardrobes including dexter Fowler, jack flaherty and harrison Bader. i wonder who's you know, MCing emceeing that i'd like to be part of that and there's a lot of other fun things that are going to be there you'd be amazed how how inexpensive the virtual experience is and all you have to do is just go to cardinals care or cardinals.com and go to the winter warm-up site and you can click on and see all the other fun things that they're going to have but this is going to be different it's going to be unique uh, but I would just suggest people check it out because it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know that locker
0: room, the virtual uh the the virtual um style, whatever you said, the, the dress. We the, don't have
1: any. No,
0: I'm just I'm, I'm saying no, I'm saying between those you said Fowler, you said Flaherty, you said Harrison Bader. Name me, one, name me one cardinal in that locker room that's upset that they weren't included in that.
1: We don't have any. This is not dressed well, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm just saying. Harrison Bader has his own
0: Instagram account for his fashion. Hair, it's uh, Bader, Is it Bader's closet or Harris? I think it's Bader's closet. Is the uh, the Instagram page where he shows off his style on Instagram?
1: I, I think if in a certain era that stuff works, and maybe I'm just a little too dated for it. And, you know, if you want to be in a boy band or, you know, things like that, be a flight attendant. I mean, there's some guys who dress in that manner. Uh, but I'm more of a guy who like the elegant look like when Ozzie would dress on a road trip. And there were some other guys before him that would dress. Today's player, they don't really have to. Um, Tommy Pham was the last best dresser this team had. I'll period. tell you
0: this: as I'm going through Bader's closets uh, Instagram page, there's a lot of stuff on here that I would wear. There's not a lot of stuff on here that I would pull off, though. There's a big difference between those two things.
1: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Who's to say he's pulling it off? Just because you bought <laughs> it doesn't mean <anything> it works. <laughs>
0: hey, before we uh, before we get out of here, I didn't. I haven't watched it yet, but I have seen the reviews for the Tiger Woods documentary that uh, the first episode was released last night. Uh, tell me a little bit about it.
1: Well, you know what? It was um, a lot of footage of things we've seen in his history. I think the relationship with his dad is something that we didn't know a great deal about and how they kind of orchestrated everything in the early stage of his life. And once Tiger became a grown-up, he wanted to do some things differently. Uh, it's a two-parter. Uh, I think it gets probably a little bit more on the the, the raunchy side on the second part. Uh, I thought it was OK. I mean, you know, I mean, this guy has lived an interesting life and his identity has never been truly exposed because he's kept a lot of things to himself. Uh, and I think one of the interesting elements about him is, you know, his dad envisioned him as being a person that people of color could gravitate to and change the game. Tiger initially said that in following his dad's words, but I think we've seen over time that that's probably not the tiger that everybody thought he was going to be. Uh, So you have that to deal with Uh, his personal life growing up as a teenager and how that was managed. I I think it's worth the watch. And I think the relationship with his dad uh, was unfortunate at the end. Uh, And so I don't want to let too much out of the bag, but check it out.
0: That was on uh, HBO, uh, so uh, any, of the, uh, any of those HBO apps would, uh, would be able to carry that for you. It's the Tiger Woods documentary. Uh, quickly, before we get out of here, um, any, uh, any interviews lined up for this week?
1: Yeah, uh, we're going to have Art yeah. Holiday coming up, and Art uh, Holiday was a delight to visit with. Kevin Weeks will join me tomorrow. Alex Ferrario will join me tomorrow, and, and also after the first Blues game. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of hockey, and then we'll be talking some uh, winter warm-up coming up this weekend. We didn't talk about your guy, Tony Romo, though, and i got to get this out of my system. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, so Tony Romo, from what I understand,
0: you know, what, during the game during on the Sunday? Game,
1: they, they, they did – remember when they announced that Joe Buck was gone, going on yes. all – they right. did the same thing with this. Okay. I don't have a problem – but my, my, I guess my, my question is, how did Tony Romo get, get that good where he's going in the College Hall of Fame and there's two guys who have better numbers than him that aren't? And we're talking about Eastern Illinois, okay? This is not what I'd call a football hotbed. Now, if he's in Alabama or Ohio State or Notre Dame or somewhere, maybe there's a line to get in. It's Eastern Illinois. And, and I guess it just it's not about what you did. It's who knows you. Because I think if Tony Romo was uh, teach, giving golf lessons or was doing something else, I don't think Tony Romo would be in the College Football Hall of Fame, especially – and Howard Balls had brought it up to me last night about his numbers. Oh, okay, yeah, he had good numbers. There are two guys that had better numbers. So what made Tony Romo better than those two guys? Is it because he's on TV and it was a Absolutely, nice – Absolutely, yes. College football? OK, so if that's the case, then now it's not a skill issue. It's a popularity issue, which is why I get more and more pissed off at Hall of Fames, Halls of Fames, more now than ever before, because it's all about who knows you. Yeah. And that's not what this should be about. It's about who knows your career and what you did. And that's not happening these days. That's so uh, you're, you're done.
0: You got 100. it all out. Hey, congratulations.
1: Uh- hey, Tony, Congratulations. I'm sure you were surprised and certainly happy that you're in.
0: Um, If you want to go back and check out the archives uh, this past weekend, I had Jeff Goodman on from stadium. We talked
1: very good visit, by the way.
0: Yeah, I I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed that. Talked a lot of Illini, a lot of Mizzou, a lot of slew with him and then had the NFL draft scout, Matt Miller on. We, uh, we talked a little bit about the games that you already saw this weekend, but we do kind of get into uh, the quarterbacks of the NFL draft and you're going to see, at least one of those guys tonight playing in um for Ohio State, one of those top quarterbacks going this evening. So we'll uh, if you want to go back and revisit that as well, also up there for your uh, for your listening pleasure. And then you had uh, Paul Westhead on that. We put that up on Friday as well. The former NBA coach, uh, so lots of NBA talk, a lot of stuff up there on Clays uh, uh, online. Com. This has been Lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Find him online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And also, before we do get out of here, I just want to mention, uh, since uh, Jay decided to chime in on uh, on things down there, I have been told that Jay and Iggy are going to do a, uh, a video Previewing the Sony uh Hawaiian Open. Is that what the the golf tournament is this weekend? Yes. They're gonna help you pick your DraftKings teams for uh for that. And they're gonna put do a video that they're gonna put up on ClaybOnline.com. So uh well, I'm looking uh,
1: forward to it. Those those two guys know their golf and know who's hot. So for those who are looking for some action, I'd start with Jay and Iggy. They're
0: gonna do yeah. a good job with that. So that look for that later this week as well. For mike Claiborne, I'm Joe Roderick. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.